Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, everybody, welcome back. Once again, we got another uh, pre-hunt recording for you. Jacob, how are you doing over in your lawn chair? Tired. <laughs> Tired. So boring. Finally warming up, sitting there here in this chair. Yeah. We got a first time guest on. Mark? Yep. Introduce yourself. Yeah. So, Mark Turner from uh, Hunt the Land. We've uh, been hunting a little bit with Andrew here for the past, I guess, week or so down on this property, and it's been fun kind of getting to know it and yeah, yeah. Uh, harvest some deer. Hopefully, we're going to do that again tonight. Yeah. Mark killed one the other day. Yep. I put him in my best gar hole, and he got one. <laughs> Andrew specializes in that. <laughs> yeah, Andrew. Andrew's just dropping me pins like, man, this is a spot. <laughs> little did you know I'd actually kill one. <laughs> little little did my guests know that they're actually just scouting for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was about to say, yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's, there's some yeah. good stuff Andrew over here. Andrew uses hunting buddies as his scouting tools. <laughs> He's like, hey, I need you to go, go check this out. Yeah, it looks, it looks real good on the map. Ah, yeah, man. There's a bunch of bucks on in there. You ought to see one. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll pay you back when we, we go hunt, hunt the rut in January. Yeah. I'll send you some you <laughs> <laughs> feel like, man, this looks like a like cool f- spot, but I really don't want to walk through that briar patch. I know Andrew will, though. I got like 40 or 50 on all that. <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't work out, you can always say, well, I've never been there. I just thought it'd be good. But yeah. if it does work out, <laughs> I told you you're, so. you're a hero. Yeah, that's right. Fun, this is the first time you've been on, right? Yeah. 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 Never used you for a strut report or anything? Uh-oh. Have we used Mariah? No, I don't uh, think so. Really? Huh. Interesting. Well... Great. Strut report. <laughs> I don't know turkeys. I don't know nothing about no turkeys. <laughs> just terrible. Um, so let's see. How do we want to start this? I don't know. What's what's the topic need to be? What what does the topic? I like the conversation me and you had the other day about uh, like misconceptions deer hunting, a little bit of deer biology, a little bit of deer hunting tactics, tying yeah. them all together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, one thing that um, we kind of started talking about the other day was. Where you killed that doe at, kind of the whole spot and spot thing. People like to hear about that. Like people, people have like written in about the spot and spot kind of mentality. And you did that the other day. You kind of, you got in the spot and the spot for sure. Not not on purpose necessarily. Oh uh, hey. Well, part of it was on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> but you can only do so much walking into a spot you've never been before in the dark. So yeah. Well, what was that like? Let's go through out. that hunt real quick. Yeah. So basically, uh, we had this area, and this is something that I think we're going to start doing a little bit more. I know I'm going to start doing more, um, just hunting with other people, uh, just trying to really figure spots out. And essentially the area that we're hunting, um, it kind of backs up to this swamp, and um, we're just hunting the drainages that kind of are along it. And that's something that I was telling Andrew, every deer that I've shot on public land actually has been relating to some sort of water feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that, at least in my experience has been just due to funneling, just, you know, deer getting pushed around by the water. It's not necessarily that they're coming there to drink water. Um, yeah. there's also usually good cover around water and obviously people don't like getting their feet wet. So that helps a little bit too. Um, but essentially this, this area was where we have this, uh, this Creek drain it. Well, it's not really a Creek drain. It's just like a hardwood, um, strip of hardwoods that's up against this swamp and then, um, Next to that, there's some young longleaf pine plantings, and those are all really thick, and obviously deer like to bed in them. And then this particular location, 
was actually where another draw kind of comes into the strip of hardwoods that we're hunting. And so obviously, um, you know, deer will move through those hardwoods. And then this time of year, um, at least what we've been finding this year is deer still hitting acorns pretty good. And actually the doe that I shot was chock full of oh, uh, yeah. water oak acorns. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of done with white oaks now. Um, and they're really hitting like water oak, southern red oak, some of those other species that are going to be a little bit more long lasting. And, uh, and so that area, you had the food because you had the acorns there and there was tons of feed sign. You have the funneling feature of the swamp as well as the, I don't know if you call it a funneling feature, but kind of a travel corridor of this other drainage meeting the hardwood strip that we're on. And then additionally, with this setup, we're downwind of a doe bedding area or just a bedding area in general, which um, it's starting to get into the rut on this property actually. And so if there were any bucks cruising, I know you've, you've seen some that look like they were cruising. You actually saw one bumping a doe here a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. I guess it was, was it last week? Or the week before last? I think last? it was the week before last, yeah. Yeah. But either way, like, you know, does there could be, I'm sure there's a doe and estrus on this property right now, and bucks are starting to move a little bit more, and so, mm-hmm. um, like, scrapes are getting torn up right now, it seems like. Oh, so, yeah, big time. So, you, you've got all those things adding up together, and, um, but that particular spot, I liked it because there was um, kind of coming out of the area that I thought deer would be bedding, there was kind of a... Um, I guess an intrusion of thick cover that should have kind of funneled deer around my stand. And then additionally, and this, we didn't, I didn't really realize till I got up in the tree cause it was dark when I walked in, <laughs> but there were a couple of down trees that pretty much forced deer to walk within like 10 yards of the tree. Yeah, I was in. They pretty came much through that perfect. Spot. I was like, man, I like how you set up right here <laughs> with this tree. Cause like it'll funnel them right in front of you. And you were like, I didn't mean to do that. I was like, no dude, that's when you're just like, yeah, that's exactly what I yeah, was trying I had, to I had Andrew Andrew fooled. <laughs> I was in the perfect spot, but um, but no, it, it worked out perfectly. And uh, right at actually right at light, I had a a deer cruise by. Uh, I, I don't know if it was a young buck or a doe, because I never really um, could get my binos on its head. It, it moved through pretty quick, but it moved through at about fifty yards. So I was a little worried about the setup then, but I decided to stick with it. And I guess around nine o'clock or so, I had two does um, come right through working perfectly um they were feeding around on acorns but um they weren't like taking their time feeding they they were headed somewhere else to get either feed or bed or do something and they worked right through that funnel perfectly i tried to tried to stop them at 20 (laughs) and (laughs) that doe apparently did not care so she walked to about eight yards if that and uh she actually was facing me which he squared up on that. I, I got joker. some grief. I got some grief from some people actually on my, my shot placement on her. Um, I showed a few people, and they're like, "Man, I don't know if I would have taken that shot." But essentially, she was quartering to very sharply, but she was turned. There was enough of an angle to where I could put it just on, like where her shoulder, um, like the front of her shoulder, kind of met her neck. And, you know, there's there's a pretty good hole there. And, I mean, it's also yeah. eight yards, so it's it's close enough that I felt really comfortable with the shot. And so um, shot her, watched her run. Uh, 45 sh- yards. Yeah, I, I ranged it. It was about 40 yards from the tree. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, she ran about 40 yards or so total, stood there for a second, teetered, fell Teeled over. Teeled over. And, and it was awesome. The other doe stood there at 30 yards just looking around. She's like. <laughs> no clue. She's like, you all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I was like, I was like, God, I wish I could shoot another deer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you and you shot her with a tripan, right? Yeah, yeah. Big old bad expandable. 
Yeah. So the only the only downside of the shot that I took was that the exit hole, um, because of the the angle that I needed to take on her, the exit hole was actually um, on past the diaphragm, so it exited out like underneath the intestines. And uh, unfortunately, that meant that like a bunch of that fat and intestinal matter and all that junk um, clogged up the the exit hole. Now, yep. obviously, it didn't matter because she didn't go far. But most of the blood we were seeing, I think, was out of that entry hole, which oh, was really sure. high on her neck. So yeah. that's the only downside of that shot angle. But again, it was it was close enough. I felt super confident and. Um, and really I was, I was just thinking in my head, I was like, well, if she turns broadside, it's still going to be a small target being that close. Cause I'm going to have to aim real high on her. And if she gets straight towards me, I'm not going to take that shot. Cause I'll hit her in the spine mm-hmm. and I didn't want her straight under me. Cause like, so yeah, yeah. but I shot her with tripan and I feel pretty confident with my arrow set up too. I mean, it's a, it's not like the heaviest arrow in the world. It's not anything crazy, but I think it's like want to say it's like 480 grains or something like that so yeah. decently heavy arrow setup and i mean my bow's pretty pretty good setup so i, I felt good about it yeah i do it again uh nothing other than just kind of arrow setups you know you hear guys talk about you know people taking shots like that and they freak out and uh i'll say i'm part of a it's a secret group on facebook so unless everyone listening unless someone invited you to the group you can't get on it can't even search it. It's called Hide Momentum. It's a group of guys, about 1,200 members, that are all based around shooting heavy arrow sets for, like, ultimate penetration. And I saw one dude, and he shot, and it was the uh, Grizzly Trick Broadheads, the Silver Flames. There is an inch and seven-eighths fixed blade, okay, with a 660-grain arrow, shot a bucket 10 yards, squared up to him. He was in the tree stand, <laughs> squared up. He turned that neck sideways and hit it right in that pocket. It exited out. He was aiming. Well, he said he was aiming for the, the heart in between the legs. It exited between the legs. That deer did not make it 25 yards. It was toasted. <laughs> and I, I was cringing. when he. I was like, there's no way he's about to take this shot. He took the shot. And it was all on film. He filmed the whole thing. And uh, crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's yeah. like a freight train. It's going to freaking zip through him. Yeah. Um, just anyways, but yeah, that that's what kind of came to mind because I saw that shot place with too. I was like, it's like, man, is that the exit hole? And you know, like now I squared it to him. I'm like, well, killed it. That's, that's all that matters. Except those broadheads Ooh. are expensive. <laughs> so, yeah, I was about to say those broadheads are really expensive. So, but anyway, um, well, did you got a hole in your pants? I know, dude. <laughs> why why are you checking that out? I mean, I can't help. Yeah, that's that's, that's how an interesting vent. spot to I, check out I, there. That's, that's how I vent. <laughs> I'm just gonna help spread a little wider for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's disturbing <laughs> awesome so <laughs> awesome <laughs> so mark's killed one deer i've missed the bobcat as of today i've seen here. a couple gators seen a couple gators i missed one yesterday missed a gator no not a gator. <laughs> oh yeah, i was like whoa <laughs> gator bites we won't talk about that <laughs> <laughs> like yeah heck yeah. no I'm not shooting one on the bow to go swimming for it. Uh, I mean, also illegal. As- aside from that, <laughs> yeah. practicality standpoint. <laughs> yeah, just overall, like, that, yeah, that does not make sense. I'm the only one that hasn't missed an uh, animal with my bow. You on. don't shoot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I walked right into that one. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, yeah uh, I did. I did. I am the only one to get within bow range of like a rack buck, though. That is true. So. I've yet to see a buck in Alabama. I think. I've seen on public three. This is, this is my f- second hunt in Alabama this whole season. I've been in Tennessee the whole whole season so far. Yeah, every f- bit of free time I've had. Yeah, so. well, I so this last week or whatever it's been here or two mm-hmm. weeks, I've had I've seen three bucks, uh, and the last one 
Got right underneath me. Don't look at your phone in the stand, kids. Uh, Cost me a buck, too, this year. Yeah, he got, I mean, literally right. He could not have been more underneath me. And I, I figured out what scared him. Uh, my pull rope was hanging down off my lineman loop because mm-hmm. I didn't pull it up because I was stupid that day. And uh, when I went to put my phone in my pocket, I moved, and the pull rope jiggled, and it was like five inches from his face, <laughs> and he just scared the crap out of him. Poor little deer. He didn't know what happened. Uh, so, yeah, didn't get him. I'm pretty heartbroken about that one. Well, I'll, I'll that, tell you That something. one stung bad, yeah. bad, bad. Oh, hey. Is what it is. It's almost that's almost like the freaking one. I had one even better shot for up in Tennessee. My phone screwed me. Deer walked through. A, I had a I had a ten yard wide open on this creek bottom. That was just the awesome shooting line that went up the hill. And that buck, I didn't see him before he was halfway through it, and there was no way to stop him before he got through that shooting line. He was a freaking big deer. <laughs> he was a big deer. Twenty five yards is perfect broadside. And I was man. like, by the time I looked up, his head was about to go back into the brush. I'm like, no, man, it's heartbroken. But yeah. A little heartbreak for I, you. I was I was talking with um, I don't know if I was talking with you. I don't know who I was talking to. Um, talking to somebody about man, you need to get me because I have no self discipline when it comes to my cell phone. I just don't. Sorry, <laughs> I, I'll admit it. I need like a little lockbox on put in my backpack and put my phone in. But like, all right, I can't open it back up until it's dark. <laughs> just like throw it back and throw it in there. So, but I should probably man. do that too. I'd probably have a buck right now if I could. Oh yeah, of if course. I did that. Well, w- one thing I want to talk talk about is, uh, you know, while we're hunting down here, I don't know how big this place is. I mean, it's bigger than I thought it was, especially when we were driving around. But, like, the hunting pressure here this morning and how, first off, you know, we got here a little bit later than I think, you know, we probably should have. But with all the guys here and everyone left, I, I was close enough to the parking lot I could hear guys crank up their trucks. Yeah. The first guy left at like eight forty five this morning. Dang. And they were all gone. All three vehicles were gone by like nine thirty. Yeah. And so that tells me that they did not see crap. They probably blew some deer out. Probably a lot of guys carrying climbers. And I didn't see what that guy was carrying in that it was, was a in climber. He was a climber. Yeah. Dude, if you're just a climber, unless you're sitting out here on, you know, trees around us right now, dude, there's not many places to get a climber. This place is tough, man. This is the third year I've hunted this place and the first year. I basically didn't ever hunt it because I was just walking around looking for a tree to put a tree stand in, and there's, like, none out here. That's um, a lot. You, you got to, like, really look. And the places that I was wanting to hunt were places that didn't have, like, trees you could get in. Yeah. And I mean, even, like, I mean, with, like, a lock-on or, like, a saddle, you can get in, in quite a bit of trees, but it's, like, I feel like the, the, the really thick edges that, like, where I saw those deer this morning – I I was like, there's a tree I could get in, but man, it would be, I mean, 10 yards right there. If it comes out anywhere else, you're not going to see it. You're not going to, nothing. It's just going to be like, you hope that deer walks down that trail. Yep. And I'm like, I that, See, that's how the spots I've been hunting are, like mm-hmm. these last few days. Like that buck that got right underneath me. I mean, he got directly underneath me before I saw him. And then, uh, like... Hunting these thickets, man, like you'll see deer, but you see a lot of deer that you do not get shots at. Which is interesting because that's what Adrian talked about quite a bit on his first episode. Yeah, yeah, that's Was true. how, you know, you're hunting thickets, even if you're hunting with a rifle, just because you see the deer doesn't mean you're going to be able to kill it. You know, he could be 30 yards from me, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to get a shot at him, even with a rifle. Yeah. And I 100% believe it, especially after missing that freaking, that bobcat. Which I mean, I had dead to rights. I thought. I mean, just like smoked and freaking. There's a, a twig that comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and twig jumps out in front yeah, of my arrow. And it's like, man. I mean, and I'm glad it wasn't like on a, you know, a big buck or anything like that because I would not have been 
probably crying up in the in the saddle. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. it it uh, God, dude, I don't know. It's just it's tough because this place. I get, are there are there. I'm trying to figure out how much to talk about this place without giving a whole bunch of it away. People probably already know. I mean, we already talked about Gators, so I mean, there's there's yeah. a bunch of places publicly in Alabama you can find Gators, but I'll say one thing that that makes me second guess using a kayak because I thought about getting a kayak and coming across, like coming like down and around. Well, that's what here. we talked about doing. Mm-hmm. And listen, after seeing what we saw going over the bridge, no sir. Yeah, we saw two Gators going over the bridge. There was oh, one sunning on. up on the bank, and there was a huge one out they in the water. They were both just big, but chilling. like listen. He's just cruising around, probably looking for a deer on the shore. Yeah. Your deer died right on the shore. And, man, if it was a day like today, I'd be like, you better oh, drag that yeah, thing no, up. Yeah, no, I would not have left it there. Uh, it was pretty cold when we shot. I mean, obviously, gators are still out, but yeah. they don't really feed as much when it's that Did cold. It, didn't Michael Pike's dad or something? Yeah, I think yeah, Michael, that's what you're talking Michael, about. I think Michael at some point told me that his dad, like, had half a doe get eaten by a gator down or something. Here? Yeah, down here. Because yeah. it got out in the pond and died. And the gators just had their way with it. They just destroyed it, man. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If I shot one and it ran out in the water and died. Man, that'd be tough. It'd to probably have to be a big buck for me <laughs> <laughs> to want to go swimming. Like, ooh. At least you're honest. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, no. I probably would, but I would I would hate it. It's funny because. It'd be real bad. Where I'm from, there's not really any gators. There's no gators. What do you mean there's not any? I've never heard of. Okay, I've heard of. I may have heard of a gator like in. The Cahaba in my there. whole life, but like, I've there's never... been two gators make it that far up the Cahaba to where I used to live. No. Two in my whole life. No. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's ca- there's uh, gators down in the bottom of the Cahaba. Oh, the baha- bottom. We're the Bahada Bubba. Thank you. Another one. They're starting to get. There's a few up uh, where y'all were hunting two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Not many, but there's a few. I mean, well, I, I've heard there's a pretty good number from some people doing research up there. But, I mean, relative for somewhere that far north. We talked to Courtney. I asked her if they've seen any up there while grabbing wood ducks. I don't know if it's, like, on – I think it's on the lake somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but I do remember. I've heard I've heard of people seeing them up there. But it's like, okay, so there's a gap. So they're up there, they're, they're down here. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know, I don't dude. Know. The, but they're so it's so weird being down here with them because I'm just like, how strange is it that these giant lizards <laughs> just <laughs> crawl up out of the water and just destroy stuff, man? It's like so, such a weird thing for me to be afraid of. Dude, I, I'd, I'm just a giant lizard, man. Well, it's, it's like, like a me, dinosaur. You and me are talking while we're going to go grab lunch. We were thinking, like, how many – Deer get, I mean, whacked by a gator, like, out here. Oh, man, there's like, on, a, on, like a day, on a yearly basis, I would be fascinated to see that. I have no idea how you'd be able to tag enough deer to be able to see an Dude, I'll tell study. you what, if I was a gator, I'd want to live around here. There's a lot to eat. Bunch of bunch of fish, bunch of freaking ducks, and birds and everything hanging out. I bet, you, Sandhill, I bet you they go Dude. after Sandhill Crane. Probably. Get down the shallows. I sure as heck rather live here than, like, oh, you've, you've been to uh, old Cyprus, haven't you? Uh, oh, uh, South Florida? Yeah. Or Big Cypress, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That place is terrifying, dude. Yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, it is like Jurassic Old Park. Oh, Alligator Alley driving down the road. There's yeah, like dude. thousands of them just <laughs> in the ditch. Dude, like, what is going on? Yeah, it's like you, like how you'd see, like, I don't know, like crows up here. There's yes. like gators down there just everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, oh, don't, don't, don't want to break down and have to, no. I don't know. That was the worst across. part hunting down there was like wading through water. It's like, cool, there could just be. I mean, there's tons of water moccasins too, of course, but Dude, it's like there's a d- decent chance there's a gator in here that could could be larger than me. <laughs> yeah, 
Burmese python, and also any other possible non-native venomous snake that got out of reptile enclosures. I think that should be our. I think that should be a trip next there. year. We should get a group together and go hunt the rut in July in South Florida. That would be. <laughs> this, this, so I know a guy that would be interesting. I'm trying to think who there's a guy. God, there's a guy I was talking to, and he they, he sure he does that, but he lives in North Florida and drives down there, and uh, he says he enjoys it. I mean, you're. Like, I found out, South Florida, South Central Florida, you kill a 115-inch deer, boy, that's a buck of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I think going down there and just killing, like, a dang swamp deer with freaking mud halfway up on it, dude, uh, would that, be cool. That would be pretty cool. That would be cool. That's one of those, like, I feel like that's, like, if there was a white-tailed deer slam, you'd have, we to, should kill, start you'd have to kill an Everglades deer. You'd have to kill, like, if a Smoky had, Mountain well, deer. We started a slam. What? Oh, we yeah. The, the North American Tree Slam. I'm going to start heard about participating this? Oh, this is in getting that. Weird. Sure. Okay, what is this? So you just keep track of all the tree species you've oh, shot God. deer out of. Oh, shot a deer out of? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like it. What did you think it was going to oh, be? Oh, I thought she's like, I said, like, keep counting all the trees that you see. Oh, while you're no. hunting. I'm like, dude, like, I'm already bad enough. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not going out there with a book or a freaking take a photo. No, sir. I'm like, oh, I saw a pine. <laughs> it's a hardwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've heard, I've heard a couple podcasts y'all have done where he's like trying to describe plants. Oh, yeah. He's up. like, well, it was. It was green and it had leaves. <laughs> Man, the deer are eating it, dude. I know exactly what you're talking about too. If we find some in the ponds, I, I point it out to you. I know exactly. Green and, and deer I was sitting eating. there I like you're I like I like backed it up and I was like, "Man, I want to figure out what this is cuz like I think I'm kind of like you and Mariah is similar to this too, like, you know, plant IDs kind of what we do and I mean, I do research on habitat management stuff, so plant IDs pretty pretty up my up my alley, but yeah, like I was sitting there, I was like, "Man, I want to know what this is now." <laughs> when, I'm gonna, I need to go find some this year because they were hammer. It was uh, that first gun hunt on that property, November 23rd, and that's when I noticed they were just eating the crap out of it. And like, there was any of it standing. I mean, it was like a little mini food plot. Like when you find it, it's and it's like little oval leaves, a thing grow like this tall. I don't know what it is. <laughs> now I'll tell you what. For anybody out there who wants to like an easy way to identify stuff or at least get a good idea, is iNaturalist. Mm-hmm. It's a great and don't and don't just take a picture of the bark because if you want to try and identify a tree and get it wrong, identify it based off the bark because that's a that's a great especially if you're a beginner uh, because I remember in like one of the like dendro classes at Auburn I was tutoring people and man uh, it's like the bark is what killed everybody mm-hmm. big time yeah. Um, so yeah I naturalist take a picture of the leaves stem branching structure flower if it's there. Branching, All that good stuff. Branching structure. That's something I started paying attention to after we did the podcast with uh, Jacob. Uh, It'll change your whole no, Tyler, outlook Tyler Black. on yeah. Dude, it really does, man. Because, like, you, like, again, I'm a, I don't, once I started paying attention to it, it makes finding, whether it's a white oak or hickory or whatever, when you're coming from a distance, you can see it a lot easier. Like, that's what that is. Yeah. You don't even have to look at the leaves. I mean, double check with the leaves, but, like, at a distance, I'm like, I know now, what like that is. Like, a hickory usually has, like, a big bow in the Yeah, or something. Yeah. And, uh, but I remember he was talking about that because he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, man, you come out here. I forgot what oak he was talking about. It was like, it's got like a certain branching structure where it's like, I forgot, I don't know. You know, where you, how do you, how do you, you're talking opposite oh, yeah, listen, alternate. This is an audio show and I'm making hand signals. <laughs> he's talking <laughs> opposite and alternate. Yeah. yeah but all, all oaks are I was going to say all oaks are. 
alternate. See, just teach me. Really. We're just gonna have a te- we're gonna have a training session right now. We're not but even no, it's like this afternoon. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do a plant walk. <laughs> we can do a Nietzsche walk <laughs> with our bows in hand, looking for blood. While we're the deer that Jacob's probably about to go try and kill can hear us laughing right now. No, it's no, he's going a long that. ways. He's going like 250 yards. Yeah, yeah. he went he went 50 this morning. <laughs> <apparently>. <laughs> See that tree right there? That's where he was this morning. <laughs> but no, like man, it's. Like, in all seriousness, like, it is pretty, like, first off, knowing your trees is super useful, especially with, like, oaks. And that's something me and Mariah have, like, started keying in on, like, just knowing, like, the differences and like, white oaks versus red oaks. And, like, even, like, more in depth than that, like, the different species within those two groups. Because, like, I mean, for instance, like, if you can identify a white oak versus a red oak, you know, just species group. Okay, white oaks, their, like, strategy is they, um, they get dropped and they germinate immediately. As soon as it rains, they're gonna germinate that fall. Whereas species in the red oak group, which include things like southern red, northern red, water oak, scarlet oak, there's a lot of stuff in that red oak group. Um, It's not just red oak, that's not necessarily a species, that's just like the group of trees. Um, They germinate in the spring. And so those acorns are available all winter long. So like water oak, for instance, like you can find deer eating them in January while white oak acorns would have already germinated by then. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, and a lot of people think that, well, they eat the white oaks more. And that is true. Like white oaks have less tannins in them, which basically means they get eaten quicker, but they also don't necessarily need to survive that long. The acorns don't to be able to produce a seed versus or produce a seedling versus the red oaks. They need to survive longer. So they have more tannins. So they're not as highly desired, but like right now, deer are hitting red oak acorns, and you can literally hunt acorns like the whole season if you do it like that. Yeah, and they're there. That's, yeah, that's a key. <laughs> yeah, that's like all there is down here. And yeah, we so we opened up that dough, and she was just slap full of whole acorns too. Mm-hmm. She wasn't munching them up. Oh, she, man. Was, she was vacuuming she was those vacuuming the whole thing. <laughs> well, see, she, well, I was she down, taking time to chew. Mm-hmm. Did every every water down where I was at earlier? I mean, it was just rainy. Every time there would be a little breeze, it's like, yep. it's like all around you hitting me. <laughs> And everything, but I mean, looking around, I couldn't find any feed sign, but it was it was so spread out. I found you know plenty of deer sign, really heavy trails, fresh tracks, but it's like there's so much food when it comes to this. How much water is actually dropping now? Yeah. Every tree I've seen has been dropping, uh, even like small ones. And uh, I'm like, man, they just can kind of just cover a bunch of ground. They don't have to go very far to feed. Mm-hmm. Man, you need to take them where <laughs> where we were. Yeah, there's some <laughs> down feed there. There's uh, there. there's some some goodens. There's some feed. But trees. I like walked by right in the dark. I was <laughs> just yeah. like bumbling around in the dark and. Then all of a sudden, I get to the spot and shoot the deer, and I walk out to meet Jacob, and I was like, yeah. "Oh man, <laughs> miss that, miss that." Dude, there's a <laughs> man. So I want to. One thing I want to talk about is um uh like misconceptions deer hunting or whatever. Yeah, like kind of what we talked about before. But I want to talk about those baby coons. What? How bizarre! Oh, that was weird. So we're walking out. You know they didn't make it, right? You got my text. Yeah, yeah. Little raccoon buddies. Yeah, they didn't make it. I didn't think they would. We walk up on this little baby coon. This little kitten, and it's laying there, and it's just like it's just laying on the ground. And I poke it with a stick, and it growls at me. Is that the one that you videoed? Yeah, that thing. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it looked all sickly. I was like, I think it's dying. And then so we're like, well, let's see if it uh, it's still here when we come back out. And we start walking, and I look over. And I'm like, hey, there's another one. And this is like the saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> this thing is like sitting up on top of a log in like the fetal position, and he's got like. Like, his little ears tucked in. He's got his arms wrapped around his head, and he's got his ears tucked in. Like, he's just so cold. And I walk up, and I, like, just reach over and, like, feel him with my hand. And, dude, you can, like, feel his, like, spine and ribs. So I guess they starved. 
I guess mama got eaten by a bald eagle or something. Or a gator. A gator. Or a gator or something. Snapped her I had up. a bald eagle, like, buzz me this morning, dude. Oof, okay, tight. right by. It was humongous. I was like, <laughs> holy crap, that's how big those things are. Try to get that ear pierce come down. Oh, dude, the squirrels, the squirrels lost their marbles when that thing <laughs> broke the horizon. <laughs> the squirrels did not like that bird. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened to those coons, man. It was super sad, though. And then it when we came weird. back, the one that was on the log had fallen off the log. And I reached down and touched it again, and it was still alive, but it had just fallen off the log. It's very The things odd. we see in the woods, right? Yeah, I haven't seen anything like that. Here comes somebody. Oh, someone's about to get a get a sneak preview. We'll, we'll get him. Get him on the podcast. Yeah. All right, here's a headset, bud. Go <laughs> sit down. We tried to do that uh, with that biologist, and it didn't work out. Yeah, he he didn't want anything part of it. Yeah. He had to call his what did he who did he call? He had to call his supervisor. Supervisor asked him if he could do it, and they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. Hard no. It's like it's got to be like directors only or whatever. I'm like, that's kind of like I want to get a field biologist on. That'd be that's why I want to have, but oh, but we, we never talked about. So, like, Mark, what is like your profession? Like, what are you like studying for? Because you're in your, are you in the graduate program? Yeah, so I'm uh, study wildlife science in the School of Forestry and Wildlife at Auburn. Um, my project specifically was actually uh, looking at managing hardwoods for deer and turkeys in the coastal plain. So essentially, what we're doing is uh, is actually on a WMA that um, is actually in the same county as the one we're in right now. Um, and essentially what we've done there is just gone into these hardwood stands and killed a bunch of the trees with herbicide. You know, usually we're killing stuff like sweet gum that, um, and, you know, leaving most of the oaks in those stands. And then we're using prescribed fire, mm-hmm. um, to get the understory to start growing more. So hmm. it's pretty cool. It's fun. You get to run around with a chainsaw and a drip torch. So listen, study deer. I want to do that so bad. Like. I feel like it's fun. some of the forestry classes seem like they would be a blast. When you did the one, like, prescribed burn or whatever that class was, mm-hmm. he sent me a video, and I was like, how is someone not dying right now? Oh, Dude, man. the fire was, like, 12 feet well, tall. There was two ripping, fires, man. and one fire was drafting off the other one. Yeah. His flame is, like, 11 feet Dude, tall. It was it's just, ripping. like, roaring in these pines. Oh, I man. was like, that's how that's how you get in a bad situation. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Old Kush was over there. He's like, if you outwalk your partner, they will die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Good old Kush, man. Jeez. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Burning's fun. fun, And it's obviously, you know, can be used for, be good for deer and turkeys both. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when used appropriately, so. I got, a qu- I got a question for both of y'all since y'all both have that, you know, kind of experience. You're in the graduate program, undergraduate program. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, when it comes to prescribed burns, so I had a, uh, a teacher back in high school, um, biology teacher, and he was n- very outdoors guy, really good guy, but just wasn't really into hunting. Had nothing against it, just wasn't really into hunting all that much. But he had a deep desire for like anti-fire, anti-burns, because hmm. he's, he said he understand how it helps, you know, deer and turkey and all that kind of stuff, but what about the smaller rodents and mammals and reptiles? Like what happens to them when a fire rodents through? Like Got to manage know. for a population, not an individual. Box yeah. turtles and snakes. Oh, man, snakes fire is good for pretty much anything except for amphibia. I mean, fire being good is like a very – that's like generalization, mm-hmm. but like – um yeah, for, like, most of those species. I mean, like, things like mice and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, you do burn a few up, but they're pretty good at avoiding it, uh, just burrowing underground. Same for 
snakes and turtles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you got to remember too that those things came from a landscape that was formed by fire. So fire's been a natural part of the ecosystem for a really long time, and so their species is just part of that. If that makes sense. Yeah, and turtle like, soup. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm a crispy turtle. <laughs> and, yeah, and so like the other thing with that is that uh, all those species like um, that you listed are um, well, not all of them, but most of them that you're gonna actually that you might actually kill some individuals with fire mm-hmm. um, are like basically their life history is that they produce a lot of young and they die soon mm-hmm. so it's like yeah you may kill a few of them with that fire but overall like their productivity is going to be greater their survival is going to be greater um following you know if you manage the habitat for them appropriately versus you know not burning it or whatever the case is so got gotcha. a yeah. question what well you, you definitely have, you know, field experience. I was going to ask Andrew this question, but he doesn't do <laughs> land management. Uh, when, when it comes to – what's your thoughts on, you know, guys on private land doing um, – uh, crap, why the – Hinge cutting? Yeah, hinge cutting. I saw oh. the hand motion I instantly knew. <laughs> yeah. Hinge cutting. <laughs> Ninja oh, chop man. those trees. It's like a Judy chop. Judy chop. There you go, my bad. Had the wrong chop. Man. Had whole, the wrong chop. Could be a whole know? podcast on this. I know. <laughs> so, uh, so it, hinge cutting is – there's – it can be used appropriately, but generally is like way too widely like thrown out. So like basically, long story short, like in my opinion at least, with hinge cutting and the the opinion of a fair amount of like professional bi- biologists out there, we don't use it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good if you want to create like instant cover in a spot. It's also really good if you want to like block deer from being able to walk through an area. But a lot of guys will use hinge cutting and just like go through whole like swaths of woods and cut trees down. The thing with hinge cutting is a lot of guys say it's like, oh, it increases food because you're letting sunlight in. But when that tree is laid over on the ground, it's still alive. So it's still producing just as much shade. It's just like lower to the ground, Mm -hmm. which is good for cover. I mean, you have a lot of leaves and stuff that are going to provide cover there. Mm -hmm. But whenever you drop that thing on the ground, it's still shading out the, you know, the understory. So you're not really growing a lot of deer food in those spots. I mean, certainly they'll browse on the uh, the trees themselves, but it's not really high quality food. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's like the long and the short on hinge cutting, as far as like, I mean, it's it's a useful tool, but it's not necessarily something where you're gonna want to like, oh, let's like go, you know, hinge cut like 50 acres worth of woods. I mean, they're yeah. doing commercial harvest or doing you know something similar to what I'm doing with my research, where we're going in and essentially doing hack and squirt type treatments with herbicide and killing trees. Mm-hmm. Killing them and leaving uh, them standing. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, and obviously they'll hit the ground too at some point, but that's actually killing the tree and opening up a canopy gap versus hinge cutting. You know, yeah, you are like opening up the canopy, but you're also just like dropping trees left and right that are still shading out spots on the ground. Yeah, and I'll. I don't have much experience with it. I have been on properties that where someone, I feel like, took it to an excessive amount mm-hmm. just because the first things that normally grow up in, in most situations in southeast it, i feel like is sweet gum mm-hmm. they just take full advantage of that <laughs> and just got a sweet gum so it's like, like 85 sweet gum and then it's freaking pop, pop out. out yeah so it's like it's like cool for like one fall and then like the next year you're like jesus like you know you just it, it looks like this but like way worse and yeah you uh, gotta throw napalm on it to kill it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so like it i mean it is a useful technique and like really targeted applications but like guys jump to it way too much like you're a lot of the time you're way better off either like commercially harvesting the tree and getting rid of it that way or just you know killing it with herbicide um 
because yeah, kind of it, it, that tree is still alive and it's probably going to re-sprout, and so you're going to have to deal with it down the road in the future. And yeah, but if you want to just create like quick cover in a spot or like hinge over in front of a tree to like you know reroute deer or something like that, it's really useful for that too. Gotcha. Yeah, cool. yeah. I saw a YouTube page where a guy like, I mean, the dude has like hinge cut his entire property. Yeah. It's like everything is hinge cut. I'm like, man, I think he's in Michigan. I'm like, dude, if you did oh, that yeah. in South dude, Alabama, Michi- Michigan, <laughs> sorry for people a from Michigan, couldn't even get through there. But like, man, they like those guys up in that part of the country are like, yeah, preach the gospel of hinge cutting like real heavily. <laughs> <laughs> it's like their thing. Dude, I I could only imagine if someone hinge cut to that extent down here, what that would look like. A deer couldn't use it down here. Man, you think about all the vines and crap that come up on that. You need a you need a daggum like a tractor to get the, through it. It'd be like a cutover when they leave all the uh, treetops out in there. Yeah, pretty much. <clears> yeah. And they don't cl- try to clean up or burn or pile up or anything. Man, that would be some thick stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so deer hunting, I guess. <laughs> um. Uh, what's the, what's the t- I gotta ask, what's the tactic for this afternoon? What's the tactic? Uh, I don't know. You know, if we start being like our listeners actually listen to some of the stuff we talked about, we might kill stuff. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's ironic. You get messages we, guys we get, like, oh, we, get, we tried, we did this, and we get oh, several it out. I'm listener like, success stories a week. And I'm like, where's my buck? <laughs> 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 Everyone else is killing bucks. Where's mine? Yep. I'm going to walk <laughs> until I find fresh sign. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What I'm I've a, really done this, like, and me and Andrew have talked about that a fair amount, like, this year, like, stop being stupid and like setting up just because we have to set up. Like, you don't have to set up in a particular night if you don't find good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I've talked about that before on here. Like the whole idea of, like, I don't have to set up tonight. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely helped me. Although I still, I still do it all the time. Where mm-hmm. I still just set up because. I don't know. I'm I'm like too excited or something. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, for sure. I kind of did it last night even. I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, and the flip side of that is also you'll you'll end up walking past what you should not walk past. Yes. Because you're like, oh, I don't I don't need to set up yet uh, because you know I just got in here or something or maybe it's better up there. This looks better mm-hmm. on the map. And you walk past it and then it's just terrible. And you're yep. like, great, I screwed everything up. Yep. That happens to me. <laughs> A lot. And it's like, (laughs) you know, usually I end up looping back and just hunting what I thought was better, but it's like, at that point, you've you've made it worse. Yeah, Yeah. like, your odds of success have gone down because you decided to walk further. So, yeah, it's kind of tough, like, I think, just being flexible and Mm -hmm. finding stuff. But, yeah, I think I'm going to try to get on some feed sign again, probably. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to do the same. I mean, really, that's all all there is to do at this point. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, what about you? Hopefully this guy didn't park over here <laughs> where I'm about to walk in. Uh, it sounded like he did. It sounded like he just went right around here and just parked. I think and we scared him off. No, no, I gave him the stank eye. <laughs> well, he did. He turned around. but he Scurred. He <laughs> <laughs> saw Jacob sitting here. He's like, oh, I said, yeah. got to run. Get out of here. I've never seen that camo pattern before. i got to get out of here. I've seen that video of the guy with the Bigfoot where he's like, it had beautiful hair. <laughs> what? And then, no. and then I think that's the same video where he said he like he got himself a, like a rake or a stick or something, and he said he, po- he was like poking at the Bigfoot, and he was like, get, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I said, get, get out of here. <laughs> so whenever you hear me say that, I'm, I'm alluding to that guy. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's totally random. I just totally derailed this conversation. 
man. <laughs> I think I think we ought to do a man drive. Hey, I wish I could gun hunt here. This place, Dude, this would be awesome. I know. I'll tell you what. At ten point, uh, the 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 first day I hunted here, man, if I'd had a rifle, hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna say I'd have killed him because I miss a lot. <laughs> but Maybe. man, it would have been in trouble. I would at least scared him. Maybe that should be the plan. Maybe we like slip in behind where Jacob's gonna go, and then like let <laughs> Jacob blow it out. Just let him like I don't know. Yeah. Just wait here for a little while and like Sorry. let us get in there. And I, then dude, I'm, I'm now I'm now thinking because this guy, if this guy is parking, he's walking straight in that way. I'm probably gonna. We go don't to know the, where he went. He could have gone dude, anywhere. He might have, but as loud as that truck was, because I heard him from a long ways away. Yeah. And uh, he just went around there and he cut it off. So he's yeah. he's right there. But if he's walking in, I might go over to the X. Yeah. Is that going to mess y'all up? I don't think so. I'll probably walk in with you and hunt near you. Okay, cool. Because, and then swing, I might swing up to that next little island. Ooh, I got a pen I can send you. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, no, listen, I'm going, I'm, I'm going off my own instincts. Bro. Plus, Onyx uh, it doesn't even doesn't work on my phone at the moment, so. Yeah, I've just been using Google Maps. Is that the X where I was showing you that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I, I'll show you. I did walk hmm? that corner you're talking about, and yeah. I can show you where I walked and tell you what was in there, just as a heads up. It looks like you can get. There's a couple trees in there. Man, there's some big trees. I'll tell you what. I know you can't probably use them on a refuge, but if you could use climbing spikes out here, and you had a big enough strap where you could use a platform and get in some of these big water or water oaks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm trying For to sure. tell people where we aren't. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'll tell oh, you one okay. thing. Is Good the, job, Jacob. <laughs> there's some, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> there's trees everywhere. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so oh, hey, one thing. One thing I'll warn you about is there. There is hackberry trees back here, which I was unfamiliar with before we got down here. And for some reason, when it gets about this temperature. <laughs> Trillions of ants come up out of the ground and start crawling up those hackberry trees. Trillions. That's my favorite. I love eating. It them. looks like the bark is moving. Like there's so many ants. Like so many ants that I would not get in the tree. I was like, I can't do that. They're gonna start crawling down my freaking <laughs> my tether, and they're gonna get on my bridge and like crawl all over. See, me. there's your game plan for tonight. Just like he doesn't know trees, so you can just like send him to one. <laughs> be like, oh, go climb that tree, and then just sit there with the camera and be like, it'll be like, what are you doing? Oh, I just want to make sure you get up there safe. <laughs> <laughs> he gets halfway up, just starts losing just his mind. Just swarmed, man. <laughs> oh, dude, like I started, I took my step out and I like started to wrap it around the tree, and I saw all the ants. I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't mess with that. By the way, do you got eight foot uh, straps or six foot? Six foot. Man, not I wish ideal I had, for this. I wish I had eights on sound approach. I kind of want to do the rope mod just to, on my lone wolf sticks. So just my, to, yeah, just to um, have like oh yeah. ten foot of rope. Dude, he, he, last year when like I he, yeah he, he I made eleven rope mods. foot. My first stick had an eleven foot rope, and all the other ones had nine foot ropes. Man. I did yeah. that for this place yeah. because that's the only way I could get in some of these spots. Yeah, mm. yeah. But then you got to make sure your six foot strap on your lone wolf tree stand. I'll go around where how high true. you go. Yeah, because if you got to use eleven foot strap at the bottom. Well, then you got extra straps. You can just like put two together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so it's supposed to be the rut down here right now. Is it really though? Because I get, I heard. Dude, this is a man to talk to right here. Okay, okay. Your professional this guy knows. I mean, according to DCNR's like uh, conception surveys, it should be like they they list this as being sometime between. I'd have to look at the 
look at the exact dates, it but today. it's sometime between November 15th and the 30th. Oh, really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. Yeah, it says, uh, like, on the AON map, which is kind of more generalized, it's just late November, early December, Sweet, maybe. But, yeah, like, they, they think this spot, like, um, they think that, yeah, for whatever reason. I'm not going to say what I was, <laughs> I was about, about to say because I, I was, was like, say, ah, if, never if we mind. go into detail, I didn't think about that the other day. <laughs> if we go into detail about that, like, might as well just say the name of the place, yeah. which I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with doing, except that would be disrespectful to the other people that hunt. Yeah, and, listen, yeah. Andrew, one time on Facebook, wasn't even on the podcast, what mentioned the name of a piece of wilderness area in Alabama. Oh, this guy jumped down my throat. Dude, it was entertaining to watch. Yeah, this guy was like, wanting to beat me up. You know what you start doing? Just like get like halfway into a podcast like this and then just name some random WMA like, oh yeah, we're hunting uh, we're hunting lowns. <laughs> <laughs> it, has a, it has a swamp. Oh, <laughs> get gators. Deer, deer don't, gators. deer don't rut there in November though. Yeah. Just start, really just start referring to like <laughs> WMAs with like different used to, locations. We used to we, like the running joke was like, oh yeah, killed on Coosa. Oh yeah. Coosa management area. Yep. Yeah, and Parker just did that with that buck he killed. He made a post saying he killed it on Wheeler. Oh, he was like, he's like, he's like, if I was gonna tell you where it is, I, I would never tell you the correct place or whatever. And it was Wheeler Refuge. It, like, <laughs> There's people commenting on our videos from North Alabama, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Yeah, he's on Wheeler." And I was like, "Ha ha, no, I'm not." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Got to throw my curveball. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the rut. In Alabama, and just I guess throughout the South, it's kind of weird, but we have a biologist here with us, so mm-hmm. why don't we just talk about the rut? Is there any leeway in when the rut happens? Is it going to hit two weeks late, Yeah. or are so, we just in the wrong places? So within a location, the rut is pretty dang uh, consistent. Um, rut timing is passed from mother to offspring, and so, and really, whenever you think about, uh, that's important because when you think about deer and the way that they move around and stuff, um, bucks will move around a lot within their lifetime. They may breed does that live five miles away from where they, you know, really set up their uh, core area. But does, on the other hand, they typically stay in those like pretty close knit family groups for the most part. And so, whenever you have a mother passing on her breeding timing to her daughter, um, and I mean, she's not going to breed on the exact same day that her mom did, but it's going to be relatively, um, relatively close to the same time. Essentially, you end up with like little, you know, within a localized area, deer breed at the exact same time mm-hmm. um, from year to year. And at least in Alabama, we kind of got into this the other day. Uh, they're pretty sure that a lot of the time that was due to restocking. Um, the reason why that we have such messed up ruts in states like Alabama, um, because again, you have that fine scale. Um, maintenance over time but the reason why that you may have deer you know in one part of a county breeding in february and in another part of the county they breed in december was whenever um, restocking was done they actually at least in alabama um, it's something like 82 percent of the deer that were used to restock across the south across alabama were from populations within the state Um, and they were from within uh like it's like four counties that are in uh, southwest alabama yeah where the deer breed in february didn't know that. Yeah, so the it was like Sumter, Clark, Marengo, and there's another one down a lot, there. A lot but. of people talk about uh, like 
you know, someone will kill a big buck and they'll be like, "Yeah, it's one of them Wisconsin deer." Yeah, you know. And so that's actually another interesting thing, um, like because you know you think, well, there there still were some deer brought in from other places where breeding happens in November, and you would think that breeding would happen in November, you know, in a lot of Alabama, um, where deer were restocked. Like a fair amount came from, actually, a fair amount came from Pisgah National Forest, which is pretty ironic considering, like, have y'all ever been there? Mm-mm. No. There's, like, no deer there now. Like, it's just closed canopy that's, forest. That's what buddy Tyler told us. Yeah. Yeah, but there were a lot of deer up there and uh, at the time. And so, and there's still some, but not many. Um, and so, some of those deer were restocked down here. There were also some deer brought in from Michigan, Wisconsin, and a few other states. Um, I think the funniest example I know of is, like, we tr- Alabama traded with Texas. We sent them some beavers, and they sent us some deer back in, like, the 50s. So... Pretty good trade. Yeah. I'll take some deer <laughs> for some beavers. Heck yeah, you can have some beavers. You got plenty <laughs> so, of them. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so the reason that we don't have deer breeding during, like, November, though, but we have them breeding in, like, uh, breeding late is because those deer that we restocked from those, like, southern Alabama counties are pretty well adapted to living in Alabama. And so, for the most part, they, they tended to survive. And they still, like, there's been some work done on, like, genetic linkage and shows that the deer in areas where we know restocking occurred are still genetically related to the deer from that source population. So, like, deer were taken from Clark County to another county. Those deer in that other county are still related to the deer in Clark County. On the other hand, though, there's been some work that was done at Mississippi State recently that looked at the genetics of areas where, like, there were known to be deer released from, like, the Midwest, Northeast. Because a lot of the time, yeah, like, you see see a big buck and it's like, oh, yeah, that's that Wisconsin buck, kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. I think, like, I think in Mississippi they called them, like, blue bucks or something like that. There's, like, some, like... Local name it. used to describe deer that were like real big that came from like certain areas, and they're like, Oh, yeah, that came from this genetic line. And actually, what they found was across the southeast, there's only one location where deer have like retained genetic linkage to yes. a northern population. Yes, but in the whole southeast, in the whole southeast, there's only one place that basically had basically Tennessee. no, no, think more specific. Oh, specific, yeah, region? it's in Alabama. Oh, really? Oh, there's only one place. Come on, Jacob. Uh, I feel like this is a trick question. Where in Alabama has a November rut? Oh, here? No, not here. (laughs) The other place. Come on. Jackson? (laughs) No. Where's the other place? Jackson doesn't have a November rut. South? Bankhead. Bankhead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man, so deer on let me down. I thought you about to be so. So deer on Bankhead <laughs> National Forest are like the only population in the southeast that they found like some genetic linkage um, to those northern strain populations. So essentially, they brought those deer down, and more than likely, what happened is they just all died. Like a bunch of them died when they moved them down here. Um, because yeah. yeah, that's like a pretty pretty big difference living in South Alabama versus living in Michigan. So yeah. yeah, they have some Michigan deer that are that did live on Bankhead. That um, apparently the genetic line has, like, there's still evidence, which makes sense because they have a November rut, whereas everywhere around there is like December, January. Didn't realize that. I mean, I heard that, but I never had a confirmation. Like, yeah, they had a November rut. Parts oh, of yeah. it, but like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's and the whole doe doe family thing. That that's what explained it to me because mm-hmm. I've always wondered why why there's these pockets throughout the state. I'm like, why doesn't it? Or dissipate. Or know? even, yeah. like, in the kind of, you know, you and me hunt quite a bit. Uh, you know, one part of the river, they'll be rutting 
two weeks before the other one or, or vice versa. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. telling you the other like, day. I mean, it's like consistent. Yeah. So so basically these deer are just like, like they looked at maternal DNA of these different populations. And so essentially like areas that have different, I mean, not like consistently, but at least in the example that I know of, like some areas within a count, a single county that had different rut dates had um, very different and distinct uh, maternal DNA. So that um, basically means that they were passing down different dates of breeding within that population so so yeah and, and i mean it makes sense if you talk to a lot of guys like they'll tell you like oh yeah i go here to hunt the rut this month and here this month so i mean you know the action that you see during the rut may vary a little bit just to, because like the reality is if you have a hot doe run through you're gonna have be all over bucks for a couple days and then you know there may not be another doe that comes into heat there for a little while or there may be a lot and um, you know, the rut's just such a chaotic event that, um, I think what happens is people have a hunt, they may hunt, let's just say they hunt like typical, typical person and they go out on the weekend, they hunt one weekend, don't see anything. They're like, man, like the rut didn't happen. And then they hunt the next weekend and it's just on fire. And they're like, man, it happened a week late this year. Well, you know, you could have just been, you could have been 500 yards from a hot doe and like none of the bucks just, you know, came through there cause they were all sucked into her. Mm-hmm. So I think the rut is just too chaotic of an, of an event to, um, necessarily be able to predict exactly when you're going to see deer. But from a, like a biological perspective, there's been way too much work done on the rut to, you know, believe anything other than the fact that it happens the exact same time within a population every single year. Yeah. Might just be in the wrong spot. Yeah. So another thing that I want to hit on pretty quick is, uh, what was it that we were talking about? Uh, weather. <laughs> weather. Weather doesn't affect deer. <laughs> there it is. Flat out. Whoa now. <laughs> cold fronts doesn't affect the deer? That was a really hard pill for me to swallow. Yeah. Like, uh, but I don't know. I still like hunting in cold fronts more. So I don't. Like, it's miserable. What? It's because Jacob won't pony up and Listen, buy Listen, I'm, I'm not rocking Sitka, and I'm not rocking First Light. Y'all should, we should have like an arm wrestle. Sitka versus First Light. <laughs> 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 But anyway, I put my uh, first light fingerless gloves on. We can, we can. Oh, those, oh dude, I got those the other day. Dude, they're awesome. Them. I love them. <laughs> God, fanboys, I can't handle y'all. No, well, I, 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 hey, I'm not sitting over here with a bunch of holes joking, in my pants. I'm give, I give, listen, give them a hard time all the time. No, I need to get some windstopper, <laughs> like really bad. Like I, that's one thing that's been killing me. None Out of, of all gear. the people, like Jacob, like balls out on hunting gear. And he does not have, like, good clothing. I'm like, how have you made it this far? He has, like, 18 saddles, 32 <laughs> platforms. <laughs> He's like, yes, I'll take another one of those. Yeah. I'm like, buy a jacket. What are you doing? Oh, man, I don't like Every time it gets below 50 You're degrees. ordering some sticks? Hmm. <laughs> Done. <laughs> man, I don't understand you, boy. I'm a gear fanatic. I'm a, dude, clothing. Oh, I don't know. Dude, it's called sick gear. It's gear. It's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> he just likes his bad land. Yeah. I like the pattern, but I'm not a big fan of the actual clothing. Clothing's okay. Yeah, you got a busted zipper and a hole in your crotch. Look like a. Spread leopard over there or something. <laughs> well, the one thing I like about it, I, I really feel like it's pretty adaptable in a lot of different situations. That camo does. I mean, it's ridiculous. It does blend in. It looks stupid. Like up, up close, well. it looks ridiculous. But you go step back ten yards, fifteen yards, thirty yards. Yeah, I guarantee you, yards. if he went and stood like in that little clump of trees, he'd all but disappear. Or just stand in front of it. But yeah. Anyway, um, 
what what were you saying the other day about the uh, the thing about um, what was it? We're so quick to uh, oh yeah. So we were talking about weather, and um, I think we're like basically we we're just talking about weather in context of, um, and that's a I think a good way to think about it is um, basically the point of our conversation was I think hunters are very quick to jump on to negative confirmation, um, you know. Because the thing is, like, there are going to be hunts where you don't see deer. And I think, on the other hand, they're slow to grasp, like, positive confirmation um, of things. And, and I, I, you know, I'm very guilty of doing this. And the, the example that I gave is you hear people say, well, cold fronts are great for seeing deer, but warm fronts suck. So, therefore, I'm not going to hunt in a warm front, either because, A, I hunted in them one time and it was terrible and didn't see any deer. Or, more likely, you just were told that warm fronts suck. You know, how many guys get out in the woods on a cold front versus a warm front? I mean, you know, y'all can, it's funny, like on Instagram or Facebook, you can like track cold fronts coming across the country because everyone's like, oh, got to get in the tree. Yep. (laughs) But people jump on to like that, they they jump onto that, but then, you know, they also, they associate like warmer weather with worse deer movement. So they don't hunt then. And it's like deer could be moving just as well. You don't know. Like, you know, you haven't been out in the woods, but you assume that they're not moving as well because everybody says they're not moving as well. Yeah. So it's like they jump onto that, like, negative feedback, which is a very, like, dangerous thing to do with something as uh, as sporadic as deer movement. I mean, deer movement's, like, <laughs> like you not seeing deer in a spot does not mean anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying go back to that particular spot, but, I mean... You know, you can't, like, point the finger at, like, well, it was warm today. That's why the deer weren't moving. I guarantee that deer moved, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I, I guarantee that deer were on their feet at daylight. Like, I mean, there's just, mm-hmm. there's too many things that, I mean, unless it's, like, just some crazy weather event like a hurricane, like, deer are going to be moving during the day. Um, and, I mean, there's certainly days that deer move more than others. But yeah. I don't, I don't really know that that's tied so strongly to i mean based on what we know research wise it's not tied that strongly to weather or anything like that it just is kind of one of those things like there's some days that see a lot of deer some that you don't but um don't jump into like a negative negative feedback loop like because it's i mean it's like oh i never see deer well you never see deer because you never hunt in a warm front or Mm -hmm. you know whatever the case is you know you never see deer because you never hunt a particular spot or something like that like i've done that a lot we're talking about with turkeys Mm-hmm. I used to think because everybody and their brother says, "Oh, well, in the <laughs> south you can't roost turkeys. They don't they don't gobble in the evenings." <laughs> and so I literally like and I would tell people that too. And then uh I told people that about our farm in uh in North Carolina, have family property up there, and my buddy was like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, like you just can't roost them in the evening." And he's like, "Oh, that's weird. Like, you know, I roost them." And then yeah. of course, very first time he was with me, very first time that we went out to roost turkeys, boom all over them and ever since then like they gobble just as consistently in the evening as as anywhere else and then i moved to alabama and i i heard the same thing here and for some reason i convinced myself that it was going to be different down here yeah. and so my whole first season, alabama turkeys i didn't try to roost any birds and then last year i was like man that was stupid like let me let me just try let me try mm-hmm. i go in in the afternoon gosh dang it they're hammering in the Dude. tree at night and this is on wma's like yeah. a pretty pressure wma in alabama oh, yeah. like they're hammering and at you night. you put us right on one's front porch this morning. Oh, you're talking palmettos and all that? Oh, yeah. Golly. Oh, yeah. Mark's like, yeah, I heard him in here last Man, night. Let's I can't keep wait pushing. to watch that. We, we, oh, yeah. So, I got all that footage. <laughs> We're going to release it right before this turkey season. That and your Oklahoma 
screw up. <laughs> but, uh, dude, we're walking through this Palmetto swamp, no lights or anything, because it's like kind of a bright night, but not really. So we're walking through trying not to spook this bird. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting to this spot without getting snake bit. <laughs> there's no <laughs> way I'm going to get there without getting snake bit. <laughs> and then we're, we're sitting there, and then this bird just like about blows well, no, my head it, off with a gobble. Do you remember the one before that? There's one that gobbled like 500 yards away. Yeah, we're like, oh, like, oh, man. <laughs> Andrew's like, up. man, like. And then what? We were sitting there, and then you're like, "There, he's right there." There's like a hand. <laughs> no, like, I'm like <laughs> trying to whisper to Andrew. I see him like I like look up, and literally like 15 <laughs> yards from us, there's a hen like on this tree that's like <laughs> the on a limb that's like out over us basically. Yep. <laughs> and Andrew's sitting here trying to get a call out of his pocket. I was like, "Andrew, stop moving!" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and he like turns around, and, <laughs> and I was like. I was, like, doing that, like, whisper yelling, but, of course, like, this hen just starts walking around, all of a sudden takes off, and Andrew's, like, turns around. I was, like, yeah. But I don't think that messed us up. I think just weren't in the spot, within the spot. Man. I need to – that's something I need to figure out is, like, how to predict where turkeys are going to fly down Yeah, to, this joker pitched like, down and landed right behind a bush, and I couldn't shoot him. But – But anyways. But, you know, I think that's, like, a good example of, like, we – I think we hear things, and, and I'm not saying, like like, if you hear something, try it. Mm -hmm. But don't not try something just because you heard someone else say that it didn't work. Because, like, I mean, I guarantee there's, like, there's probably thousands of turkey hunters in, like, southern states that don't roost birds because mm -hmm. everybody says, oh, you can't roost them in the evening. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm it's sure. like, wh where did this come from? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's I mean, one of those things. Same thing with, like, warm weather days. I mean, Michael filmed those two bucks in Georgia. That that was a record high day. It was like 95 degrees at the end of September. It was one of those two record high days, and he filmed two huge bucks out. Yeah. In the middle of the day, sunny, hot, on on top of a ridge, not in the bottom near mm -hmm. a creek, on top of a ridge, dude. Just doing like the exact opposite of what everyone says they're supposed to do. Um, one thing. Well, one thing. Okay. I, I feel as southern hunters, you know, it. The deer are going to move no matter what because I don't think the deer down here, body size and the mass size, you're not going to have a deer that's 280 pounds is full of fat. I th The one thing that I hear a lot of guys talk about is like those late season, like up north, whether you're pick your state, Midwest, you know, hunting late season food sources on like a stupid cold front, like where it's four or five days, it is miserable weather, and it forces those deer on those feet. But we don't have that down here. Yeah, so we it's talked like, about this too. So it's like it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Like you'll have a massive cold front, and it's like we've seen deer. It almost seems like they shut down for a little bit. They wait till it warms up 10, 11 o'clock, then they come out. Yeah. Yeah, like it's uh, man. Oh, dude, manis is that? Hey, you got is that a uh, honeybee sticks? Right on, dude. Oh, sweet, man. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. No, dude, you're oh. good. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we actually we actually have somebody walking past us right now. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. Gotta you want to figure out where he's going? Get some yeah. sticks. Yeah. Okay, what bag is that? All right, yeah, we'll have to wrap talk. it up. What you, we, 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 what you just heard a little bit of, I'm going to have to cut most of that out because we can't leave all that in. But, uh. Fella walked up, listener of the show, coming back by here. Uh, he's about to go kill a deer using the tactics he learned on the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, meanwhile, the, the hosts are not. Yeah, meanwhile. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile exactly. That's yeah, the key. Meanwhile, I'm going to go see 37 squirrels in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking about um, the the whole thing with the deer movement stuff like that yeah like negative um, feedback negative feedback one thing i found pretty interesting like me and jacob were just talking to a guy about you know like looking at you know like uh like certain things like when deer are killed 
to like try and correlate it to some event like a moon phase or something like that. Mm-hmm. I remember Lindsey Thomas talking about when he uh, used to run. <laughs> you got Golly, a ladybug on your face. Got ladybugs just swarming. <laughs> when he used to be the, I think he was the editor for Gon. Mm-hmm. And they do the truck buck thing like Aon does, uh, where basically you enter a deer and then you might win a brand new like Silverado for mm-hmm. your deer, but you have to be subscribed to the magazine. So he has all these. Uh, <laughs> now I'm getting them, bad gummit. Now he's so he's got all these entries coming in, and he like compiled all that data. Mm-hmm. And the number one factor of like how many deer, like the the times when the most deer were killed was like Saturdays and Sundays. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. Nothing else, because that's just when people can hunt. Yep. You know, common sense. Yeah, common sense. We can wear out here this year. So. Yeah, I mean they live out here. Yeah. It's, just kill them. go hunt when you can. Yeah, gonna, nothing matters. It's all about the percentage, and you know, the more amount of hunters you're gonna have in the woods, the more amount of deer you're gonna have killed, no matter what the weather condition is, whatever the situation is. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so got any uh, final thoughts before we go kill some deer? Yeah, I think just uh, being willing to kind of like we talked about, like just try new things. You know, listen to other people and try what they say, but don't necessarily not try something just because somebody says it doesn't work because that you know hunting is so situational everything's different every every place that you hunt is different every person's style is different so what somebody does somewhere doesn't necessarily work elsewhere so yeah kind of find your own way yeah i like it Jakob. Mm. the great philosopher he's thinking, <laughs> <laughs> he's a thinking man stroke my weak goatee compared to mark's yeah, dude, you're way behind the curve. I know. It's, it's <laughs> it is that. what it is. No, um, it's been a fun conversation, dude. I mean, I think you know this place that we're hunting this week is going to be. Um, it's just interesting. It's interesting to be able to hunt someplace that you know they are actually running at the time of the year that you know we're actually recording this. You know, mid November, which is kind of cool for Alabama. Um, so hopefully, we keep taking part in this. Maybe next year actually do a big camp or something. That would be a, a heck of a time. We we got to do one for the other management area mm-hmm. uh, and uh january that'd be that'd be a good time but no, i've enjoyed it guys it's been uh it's been fun mark's been good to finally meet you and yeah, uh for sure yeah it's it's been exciting so hopefully we can get away from all these yellow jackets bumblebees ladybugs whatever else is attacking you over there yeah and i go well, kill honey bee just tried to give me some sugar Jacob, if you shoot a pocket deer tonight, I'll pack it out for you. I thought about it. Listen, when y'all were talking about, oh, there's a rabbit right here, I'm like, hey, I'll, it's a pocket deer. It ain't rabbit. It's a pocket deer. I'll drag it all 250 yards that you're in the woods. <laughs> just strap it to the stand and just, like, just like pick it up. American. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just wait until you see the footage of the one I killed. North Alabama. Little bitty. Little bitty. All right, boys. Let's go kill some deer on this warm afternoon. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed 
for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.